Hot cunt, hot cunt, hot cunt. <laughs> Hey, 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 and welcome back to Hot Cont. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your hottest podcast corner of the internet with me, your host, your friend, Hal Haley Hoff. That's me. What's up? We're going to get into a crazy, a crazy ep today, a deep dive on the Titanic. It feels like the right time to be discussing the Titanic because it is the 25th anniversary of the Titanic movie, which is currently out in theaters again, at least in LA. And we, we meaning I, (laughs) thought it would be fun to celebrate that cultural moment that is Titanic the movie, but also the history of the real ship and what happened there. And just, you know, talk about the impact that both of those things have had on American culture for over a century now. And I wanted to do so with my friend Thomas, who is a Titanic aficionado. He talks about it to me often. I'm always surprised and excited by his energy, his passion around the subject of the Titanic. And I wanted to bring him on to bring that energy to the pod, to let everyone in on all the facts and the the cool stuff that he shares with me just like throughout the day when we work together. He's a wealth of information, not only just on the Titanic, but for today, just on the Titanic. And this episode is for anyone, whether you love the Titanic and are, you know, like really into it already yourself, or if you're someone who kind of like me, wasn't sure if I was that into it, like was kind of, but hadn't seen it in a long time. And yeah, yada, yada. Maybe you're just a Leo fan. Maybe you're a Kate Winslet fan. Maybe you're a historian, whatever it is. Maybe you're nothing. Maybe you're just a blob of a human that wanted to come and get entertained for today. This is that. This is going to be an interesting, fun, high impact, high education, high fun. Lots of jokes, lots of bussy in this episode. (laughs) So tune in, have fun, and um, welcome Thomas to the pod. Before I totally switch gears into the subject matter, I want to say thank you, a huge thank you to everyone who has taken the opportunity to support HotCont financially. Um, It's only been a week since I've had that available and I've already had quite a few people become supporters and it's so meaningful to me. So thank you so much. And I want to start doing a thing where each episode I dedicate to someone who is supporting the podcast. So I'm going to start out with my friend Tawny. Tawny, this one's for you. I hope you like the Titanic. If you don't, I hope you're listening and you love the Titanic afterwards. Thank you so much for your support. And this episode is all for you. If you are someone out there that wants a dedicated episode, please consider supporting. The link is through the it's, the, it's in the bio of my Instagram. It's also attached to my Spotify page on Spotify Podcasts. So if you find that, click the support button. There should be three options, 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99 per month. Thank you so much to anyone that's started supporting already. I appreciate you so much. You're the backbone now of Hot Cont, and thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, with that... Buckle up, strap in, put on your life belts. We're going right back to 1912, and I hope you enjoy the ride. 
Okay, cute. Well, let's just get into it. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us. Look at us. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Welcome to Hot Cont, everyone. Thank you so this much. is Thomas Pardee. Yes. My friend, my coworker, my family. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Yes, chosen family. Too far to say that? No. Okay, well, that's not, sweet of Not you. on today, not on this Saturday. Not on this Here at work. Beautiful Saturday at work. <laughs> the studio, the, the hot studio. Con You're studio. Right. Hey. <laughs> the Kant house, as it were. <laughs> oh my God, could you imagine if I had like one of those houses? Yes. That, um, the, the hype house? The hype house? Yeah. Right. <laughs> what if I had a hot Kant house? What would it look like? Oh boy. Well, I'm calling the police already on that. But <laughs> <laughs> neon everywhere, it chaos. Would, it would be it would be Comic Sans uh, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Pointed. Pointed. Love that. Um, well, you would be welcome anytime, oh, and you would you. come in and you would have a headache. I'd love it. I really. I would shut up. I would love it. I would check my complaints at the door. Believe it or not, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's give some context. Okay. Thomas and I work together. Mm-hmm. We're creative cohorts. Yeah. Um, we have different roles, but yet we work. Very closely. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And Thomas and I tend to agree on a lot and also have differences sure. in our perspectives. And I think that makes for a really fun, exciting conversation every week. We find ourselves sitting there on a Monday. And usually I, <laughs> I, I like have my diatribe that I've been like cooking up for days. And usually, unfortunately, you're the, you're the unwilling <laughs> sort of recipient of, it, of the actual full force of it. Yeah, <laughs> but I always enjoy it. Well, <laughs> it's stuff that I won't tweet because I'm not trying to get... You know, canceled. doxed and canceled. <laughs> but it is stuff that like on a one-on-one, I feel like I can actually connect with someone on this if I just have a chance and someone's going to listen to me politely. Yeah. And you tend to be that person. So, <laughs> Well, that's it's an honor. And it's also a fun challenge for me because mm-hmm. my brain, um, here's what I'd say about, and I, I mean this in a polite way. Yes. You tend to go in mm-hmm. on the details mm-hmm. maybe even rabbit holes sometimes yes, to a place much. where my brain like literally does not go unless I'm dragged there and mm-hmm. you do you do that for me in a good mm-hmm. way dragged sounds negative but I mean it in a positive way yeah you I, guide me well I, that's nice that's a really nice characterization of me like forcing you to listen I, I think <laughs> I, I, for me I've always been a little bit detail-y uh, in the weeds I, I feel like the weeds are where like the snakes are I don't know if that makes any sense I, and you're the snake I'm <laughs> um, no I, I, I was feeling Feel like you know even when we even with work stuff we, we have big ideas here and we're always talking about like ideas and my brain just naturally as a like fearful avoidant personality mm. tends to go tends into to go tends to go into well when the rubber hits the road what is the actual what's the reality of this and what's going to go wrong and so I tend to go there and I I hope I don't live there but mm-hmm. I do go there kind of mm-hmm. first you know yeah it's like conversations that we have which are usually about like social media, things that people are talking about on social media, hot cont. It's usually hot cont. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. I try to find, it's almost never about the topic. It's almost ever, it's almost always about how we talk about the topic. I would and, agree. And the, the social thing happening around the, the topic. dynamics yeah. around like, why are we all agreeing on something that I don't think any of us actually believe? Like, remember when we were seeing the movie, Don't Worry Darling? Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Do I remember that That might have been the first light bulb moment of this where it was like mm-hmm. we you left and you kind of said like very bravely like I don't I didn't hate this movie why am, why is everyone telling me I'm supposed to hate this movie <laughs> very bravely 
thank you. I still feel like that's a brave thing <laughs> to say is. sometimes because no one really agrees Imagine with that. Imagine it taking courage and bravery to like share your joy <laughs> with the world. That's not fair. <laughs> well, so stupid. And also remember when Queen Elizabeth died. Uh-huh you had some pretty interesting perspectives on that and I had totally agreed with, which yeah. is like everyone's just jumping on the bandwagon to right. like be against something. Right. You can have opinions, but like that's where you and I get yeah. in the weeds per se is like discussing the social movement around the right. trending topics and I think it's really fun. Right, I, th- I think so. I think there's a lot of like fear and I, I say that as a fearful person. There's a lot of fear of things you don't know and I think people tend to quickly realize what the prescribed opinion is and they latch onto that and mm-hmm. that's a safe place mm-hmm. and I think like I, I, I'm almost more f- too fearful to do that you know right. so I tend to like try to think for myself oh, and it doesn't always doesn't always do well like go well for me but I do feel like pretty comfortable I always feel like if there's an argument that I'm in I can stand my ground on the argument if that makes sense well that's the truth <laughs> <laughs> i'm reading the edge in that and i love it i have I learned that <laughs> i am someone that doesn't stand a ground in an mm. argument typically i i get very fearful of confrontation interesting yeah to be honest working with you working in this office has taught me to learn how to be a little bit braver good and it's not okay. scary because I think you're going to be mad at me or anything. For some reason, there's just fear against going somebody that seems so confident about what they're saying. Mm. I don't feel that same confidence in myself. And I'm like, oh, God, okay, how do yeah. I like really come forth? Yeah. However, I feel like I can do that on things such as Avatar. Avatar. <laughs> the, the little things in like the world <laughs> that are so stupid, but I do have strong opinions about. I can get into, but I don't I feel it. like it's true. So <laughs> Avatar, it's, Avatar is an interesting <laughs> sort of like uh, interesting cul-de-sac in this conversation because of the James Cameron of it all. Mm. Um, but I really, so I think that like over the intervening like 12 years that it, 13 years that it's been since uh, the first Avatar, I feel like culturally it in my, in my, in my opinion for me, take it, let's go. I feel that it kind of just went away mm-hmm. culturally. And I know that people love it. You know, every time you go to Comic Con, you see some, like a Navi running around or a few. Okay. Um, not, I mean, <laughs> at least that. allegedly. But, <laughs> so I know that there are. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that there are people out there who love it, but I just don't feel like it has that sort of like cultural, yeah, like penetration. I mean, even something like Megan, I feel like is more penetrative mm. of like the culture, at least in terms of my very narrow like sphere. But of course, Avatar is the biggest movie ever, and like the yeah. second one is like the th- what the third biggest movie ever or something at this point. I actually don't know, but that would make sense. Yeah. The numbers were getting really high right away. Yeah, they're still rising. So clearly, like, for me to come in and, bla- and like, blaze and hot and be so blasé and say, like, no one cares about Avatar. And you, an Avatar fan, got righteously <laughs> upset with me. Yeah. I got righteously upset with this whole office because it felt very quickly that everyone was on your side, yeah. which I just thought was interesting. It which doesn't, never happens, by the way. And it doesn't feel representative <laughs> of the larger culture. It's like, how can everyone in this room be so anti-Avatar when I feel like the masses clearly loved it? Yeah. That's why it's so big. But I do agree with you that it did fall off. Well, I'll say this. You know, I love a big tentpole movie. I'm a big, like, let's, I go to movies all the time, twice a week, usually. Mm-hmm. I'll see a movie, which is, which is, I'm hearing it out of my mouth right now. It's, it's a lot. Cool. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> thank you, AMC A-list, not an ad. Um, but, but could I, be. But I would like, <laughs> but I would like die for it, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, but, um, no, I, but so, like, I'm, I'm one of these people who, like, if people love something, let them love it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be a hater. I yeah. really don't. I never do want to be a hater. For me, it's, it's just, like, I like things that are. Smart and have a point of view. So I did go see, well, I did watch the first Avatar and then I went the very same day, watched the second one and I loved it. I loved them both. Yeah. So I had really over the years concocted and retconned m- what that movie was and it was mm-hmm. actually pretty good. Obviously it had issues, but like, you know, right. wonderful movie. 
Yeah, yeah. Again, I just want to be a Navi. That's the takeaway. <laughs> I want to feel what it feels like to ride on Dragonback through floating islands and yeah. like dr connect my braid to a plant, and all of a sudden I'm like with God. Like I want yeah. that experience. <laughs> it does take religion, and it like literalizes it in a way mm -hmm. where like it's very comforting to totally. be like, oh, to connect with God, I just literally take my wig off and like stick it into the hole, <laughs> and all of a sudden like I'm at peace. Right. That's the kind of God relationship I'm seeking. Yeah. Like, let's just keep it Easy, that breezy, simple. beautiful. Plug and play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> WYSIWYG. Set and forget. <laughs> yeah, all this religion stuff is, like, too complicated. Like, let's just... Let's just make it simple. Put our braids in there. Yeah. In the plant. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so what we're really here to talk about today, we could talk forever, but um, I wanted you to come on because you are a titanic buff, mm. to say lightly. Yeah. I was trying to think about what I would call you, and you're not technically a historian but somewhat right i think culturally I, yeah i think um i'm I, i'm i'm more of a victim of the phenomenon of titanic <laughs> from a very young age when i was like a young gay impressionable kid yeah. it was like the first like pop cultural phenomenon that swallowed me whole and it wouldn't be the last but it was probably the first time i was ever like completely consumed by something that was so much bigger than me mm. and that was that reached so far back into like a cultural context. I didn't have like yeah. a, a benchmark for like caring about something in culture mm. so until until that. And I know that that's a very common experience. Yeah. I, I, w I would go to school and other kids, I could see them responding strongly yeah. to it too. So it, in, in some ways, it's almost like my thing with Britney. It's like I'm, I was right. victimized by Britney in that <laughs> like- We've got to say that for another whole podcast. I know. Well, in other words, I'm like squarely in the sights of this thing. And it just completely gets me. And what's funny is, is that over the years, of course, I f go whole years and don't even think about it, right? Yeah. As like an adult with a life, excuse me. Um, <laughs> but <then laughs> every once in a while, okay. yeah, every once in a while, something will come along and it will just completely like plug me back into this, this like old self of mine. What brought you back recently? Because I know this last year is really when I it's know. come back. I've been trying to think about it and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit to like pinpoint it. I know that, okay, so I'm a big like, I, I'm a big like nonfiction, narrative nonfiction fan. I do Audible. I, I don't really like fiction. I always love like learning about stories. Yeah. And like the, one of the more famous recent examples of narrative nonfiction is Devil in the White City, which is about the uh, construction of the, uh, the 1893 World's Columbia Exposition in Chicago. And simultaneously about the H.H. Holmes serial killer who murdered at the ex exhibition. Okay. So it's an amazing book and it's true and it's like they keep trying to make a movie out of it. In fact, they were going to try to, I think at one point, Leo DiCaprio was connected to it. Which, ding, 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 ding. So anyway, so this book is like, I read it every couple years or I like listen to it every couple years just because it's so good and it's just so interesting. And I remember thinking, I think maybe a year ago or less than a year ago, I was like, do they have one of these on the Titanic? Mm. And I Googled it and I found this book called like gilded lives fatal voyage or something and it oh, and it chronicles i know <laughs> and it, i think that's the title of time i could be mistaken but it chronicles the life of like the first pass the first class passengers mm -hmm. in the same style as devil in the white city and i was like back in it okay that makes sense back in it and then all of a sudden when you read one you got to read them all so i just started going through <laughs> through 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 and then they had this exhibition roll through town uh this like titanic exhibition which i like of course went had to, to go. attended glasses on Eyes open, you know. Just like you were at Star Wars. Just like <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, oh. and I, that was not a very good exhibition, but it really like awoke in me this thing. And the, and it, it, well, the main difference too, and this mm -hmm. is, I think, the real truth. Since my last dive into the nerdery of it, YouTube. Mm. YouTube has become a thing and there yeah. is nothing but stuff 
on YouTube about so the Titanic. So much. And what I discovered this year, um, they have a um, like a simulation or some sort of like open world program called Titanic Honor and Glory. Um, Honor and Glory refers to the wooden clock in the uh, grand staircase. There's okay. two creatures holding onto the clock. One is called Honor. One is called Glory. Oh wow! I know. Very Deep detailed. cut. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, but it's essentially an open world. You can walk around. You can walk around the Titanic, and it's designed cool. to the detail. And so they have these like. YouTube tours of it because I can't you can't download on a Mac whatever anyway I'll sit on YouTube I will sm- smoke some weed am I let to say that on this podcast of course smoke it's hot some, cock, uh, baby. the hottest <laughs> and I will literally sit there and smoke and just like like veg out and watch this tour <laughs> and like listen to an audiobook and really that's when I'm really nerding wow, that's in cool, though. not nerding out that's nerding in yeah you are all the way in, in. It. so yeah so I think this year has just been an unbridled return to like a childhood or a like mm. a thing that is just int- that interested me when I was a kid. It still interests me. And it's not just me. Like the Titanic is a like lasting yeah. fascination culturally. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing you can be embarrassed about the things that are interest you. I know it's never occurred to me to be honestly. You shouldn't be. I think it's an incredibly normal thing yeah. to be. Well, I think the movie awoken something as a oh yeah culturally, especially to people our age. It really did, and I, I don't think I don't think that it's it, it's possible to overstate the degree to which yeah. that movie was a cultural like just meteor that hit. Yeah, and and I remember vividly the t- of the time like it, movies don't hit like that anymore. We you know we don't live in a monoculture anymore the way we did it back then. Right. There's know? so much content at the time that was a huge blockbuster and I think the scale of the movie mm-hmm. like what went into making it was huge for the time Unreal. Unreal. I was little so I don't really know context contextually but I yeah. feel like that's what I hear and that's what makes sense so it's the 25th anniversary yeah. of the movie we both just went and saw it yes I literally came I literally <laughs> left the theater wiped the tears from my face got in my car <laughs> and here we are made a wrong turn ran a red light Port a, parked sideways in the back of the office and here i am <laughs> so i watched it last night was shook to my core mm. and i was really glad i watched it last night because it gave me a full evening to decompress yeah. um because i needed to it yeah. was like i listened to the celine song on the way home mm. in the car like just letting it out yeah then i watched a couple youtube videos thought about it, tried to do some Sudoku to like take my mind off of it. Mm, couldn't, couldn't. No. I just was thinking about it until I went to bed and yeah. then had crazy dreams. And now here I am feeling a little bit yeah. more able to have this conversation, yeah. but well, it <sighs> rewards the rewatch. I mean, like I, I rewatched it a couple months ago cause I had a friend who'd never seen it, which to <laughs> me is like discovering like, like the heart of the ocean to be honest with you <laughs> I was like how could you not have seen this the heart of the ocean I mean, nice I, I caught that it's a little dramatic I'm good with it I'm good with it um but no so I found I had this friend who'd never seen it and so I watched it earlier in like earlier in my re- quote-unquote research but then I started getting into the detail details like I was literally looking at like layout of the ship and where all the passengers lived and like I was just really getting into Mm. and I I never felt closer to it you Mm. know in terms of like understanding the space understanding the people understanding the sort of culture of that time and the Edwardian sort of like class structure and really knowing kind of because as a kid you kind of just are like okay there's fancy people and there are poor people and blah 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 blah. like I don't you don't you don't really go into sort of the humanity of that and so now with all of this time and like understanding these characters these real people I should say um I watched it and I felt like I was stepping. It felt so much bigger and more immersive to me mm-hmm. just with that extra layer. I, I was looking and, and 
I found myself looking in the background of the movie more because mm. I know the I know I'm sitting here in the theater like mouthing the movie. Yeah, I know yeah, every yeah. line I know of this it movie. So well. um, but yeah. like it was just I was noticed I was appreciating so much more and with so much more depth now, which was a wonderful experience. <laughs> but also having this connection to childhood, it was almost like this was embedded in who I am. Right. You know what I mean? It's a part of you. Yeah. To to watch it back as an adult, the the class subject line mm-hmm. was the most shocking to me because I don't remember that at all. Mm-hmm. I, and for context, I'd only see the Titanic once as a kid, but I have seen it culturally, like, you know, in little clips all around. I felt like I knew it well enough, but that really surprised me that yeah. I didn't remember <laughs> that part of it at all. And it's such a huge part of it. Yeah, it is. And one of the things that is so, you know, to going back to why people are so fascinated with this over so many generations, and it's been many generations now. Think about the intervening century. Right. Like it's unfathomable that we're still thinking about this event and this level of detail, these, these, these four days or five days or whatever. And really specifically these two hours that we're really understanding like what happened minute by minute. And, right. and think of like, we've had world wars, we've uh, had yeah. pandemics, we've had, you know, cultural revolutions, we've had everything happen in between and we still care. And, and part of that, one of the things that, that Titanic changed and one of the reasons why it is so impactful is because it, it spelled the end of that it was sort of the beginning of the end of that class system right mm. like from there with world war one things just started to erode these old sort of like strictures they stopped making sense there was so much um so much backlash over the way that the first la- the, like the first class versus the third class the way they were treated mm. their survival rates yeah all of that it just it laid bare the sort of like m- ethical kind of problem with all of totally. that totally yeah pretty ruthless the, the numbers mm. of the survivors the stats about who got saved who didn't yeah. what how many boats came back to pick people up yeah it's pretty harrowing it's harrowing yeah it's it's um it's funny because this, the other thing that was happening there was the class sort of divide that was in full force the other thing was the sort of industrial revolution and like the, te- mm. the rise of technology and industry and you know like in particular in America, but like there was this sense of invincibility of man, right. this idea that like, you know, we can, we can conquer nature. We can, t- we can harness the power of fire and earth and water and we can, d- we can move mountains, right? We can like make things that are bigger than life and bigger than nature. And this was just one of those reminders. And I think at the time, I don't think now we think of technology that way. I think we feel we've, <laughs> we're past that. But like yeah. at the time, these were the, I mean, a steamship. When you think about what a steamship is, it's so raw and it's so elemental. You know, totally. it's it's not it's not sort of invisible chemistry. It's heat and pressure. Right. And it's like there is so, such a connected connectivity to like nature. Even then, that like it's man versus nature. And this was one of those moments where man thought they were winning, and Mama, they were okay. not winning. <laughs> You're saying so much that's drawing me right back into the movie. Yeah. It's so fresh. The unsinkable thing mm-hmm. they say over and over again in the mm-hmm. movie, and it's. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's clearly leading to something bigger, and that's yeah. what you're saying. It makes sense, right? Yeah, and 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 that's a part of the mystique of the ship as well. I mean, several the things on the table are the unsinkability of it, the certainty of the unsinkability, the maiden voyage of it all. The drama in that is just yeah. it writes itself. The classism that mm-hmm. still lay, you know, is stark even all these all these years later, right. all these things, and then sort of like again the drama, the idea that it broke in half, just like right. everything. It, there's everything is on the table for this story, right? You know? And the human flaw of it all, like oh, yeah. the details of the hubris, why there wasn't um, the binoculars. You know, like those are all just little mm-hmm. small coincidences made by human that yeah. could have fixed all of it. Yeah, it wasn't one massive mistake. It was like a yeah. multiple small mistake. There's so many small little decisions, mistakes, rules broken. Did you know? 
that um, one of the big stories that, that may or may not be familiar to you is that of the two wireless workers, the people who are working the like Morse code. Okay. The, um, you know, they, that was a fairly new technology. And those people did not work for like the, sh- like the ship. They worked for a Mar- the Marconi company, which was like a separate oh. entity. Anyway, they, their orders were if your machine breaks, they fuck it. It's, there's no more, no more messages until we get to dock. You were not supposed to fix it or try to fix it because it would, you could break it and it could like make it worse. So you wait until you get to the other. The Morse code specifically? Yes, specifically. Okay. So okay. in other words, if the Morse code broke, the rule was don't, don't fuck with the machine, get back, let a technician fix it. Okay. But the thing was, these first class passengers were sending their like little, little quirky little notes to their friends, right? Like yeah. we're having a great time, miss yeah. you and all this bullshit or like, you know, business, business messages that they were just backlogged. And so they fixed it. Oh. The, like the two days prior or the day of, and they were working through all of these backlogged messages. Um, and at one point um, they, like the California, this is other ship that warned them of ice, had multiple ice warnings. They were like, they're like, shut up. We're doing our job. We're trying to send messages. Leave us alone. Wow. Titanic said that. But if they had not fixed it, none of those survivors, we would never be able to get word out that the ship was sinking and those survivors would have died of exposure wow. on the open sea. So because one person decided or two people decided, fuck it, we're going to do it anyway. Damn. Hundreds and hundreds of people survived. Wow. Yeah. That's an interesting mm-hmm. tidbit. I know. Huh. And it's little things like that you hear over and over, just little choices, you know? Right. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. I know. When you think about it. Look into that. I will. Yeah. <laughs> you better believe that tonight I will Phil- be doing more I research. It was like Bride and Phillips were their names. They're fascinating. One of them survived. One of them did not. Is it true that the, the plot line in the movie where the guy who is very responsible for what goes wrong actually gets on a rescue ship? Is yes. that real? Everything about that is real. Okay. So Damn. Bruce Ismay was the, I want to say he was the like president of the White Star Line. I'm not sure his exact title. He was one of the people who built the ship, designed, mm-hmm. like, you know, hired people to design it. It was very much the sort of like, they called it the Olympic class. There were three ships in that class. There was the Olympic, which had um, been launched the year before almost exact identical to the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Titanic was a little bit bigger and a little bit nicer. They'd made changes and, fi- and updated it. Okay. Um, then there was the Titanic, and then there was going to be this third ship. They were going to call it the Gigantic. Yes. Um, they ended up not calling it that after the sinking of the huge Titanic, right? All this right. idea of like All of a sudden, big, Gigantic you know, sounds scary. So they, they changed the name to the Britannic, and that launched okay. the following year. Um, but he, he was sort of the mastermind behind the ships. Uh, he didn't design them, but he was very responsible for building them. And yeah, he definitely, there's some, there are some conflicting reports on, cause he only was traveling as a passenger famously. He was not there okay. in any professional, like authoritative capacity. He was there. Um, he had, um, actually taken a room, uh, like a first class cabin. Um, however, the person who actually paid for the white star line jp morgan of jp morgan chase fame whoa he actually like spent the money like financed the the building of the titanic he was supposed to be on the maiden voyage and he was going to take parlor suites b52 54 56 and he, oh my god you well, know the I, numbers well, i'm going to tell you why okay. because he because ultimately at the very last minute jp morgan chase not chase jp morgan <laughs> that just came out in one one mouthful <laughs> one unit of language jp morgan last minute couldn't do the maiden voyage. So okay. it's presumed that Bruce's May was graduated up to suite B-52-54. However, not proven because there's no like log and there's okay. no digital record. So the movies, the Titanic, the filmmakers decided that's where that was going to be the room where Rose and Cal 
So that's why in the movie you hear the manservants mm. say parlor suite room suite 5456 uh, because cool. that's an actual real suite. That, and when you look at the way the movie was, it's literally exactly placed where it was in the movie. Down like the the, the map is exactly wow. verifiably correct. It's all, they took extreme great care. Anyway, back to Bruce's yeah. May. He lit, he may or may not have pressured the captain. Um, I think one one of the passengers claimed that she was at tea with uh, a friend, overheard a conversation between Bruce's May and Captain Smith, mm. and overheard the um, Ismay pressuring Smith to go faster, to light the last boilers, to get us in to New York early, to sort of like, they wanted to prove that Titanic could also be fast wow. and be the biggest and nicest. However, there's Gosh. not a lot of consistently of whether that conversation actually happened the way it does. In the movie, famously, if you look in the background of that scene, mm-hmm. there's some woman looking up at them suspiciously, oh. and it's the woman who wow. claimed it. I know. They really Those embedded details. the details. Anyway, huh. he did jump on the boat. He did claim that there was no one else around, no other women and children around, as the movie depicted, and he did survive. He did look away, as depicted in both Titanic wow. and A Night to Remember, which was made in the 50s, the first true recount of that of that and he is said to have when he got onto the carpathia this this the ship that saved everyone he um got his own room which no one else got their own room on wow. that ship i think this over capacity right. ship people were sleeping in the hallways right got his own room never came out um wow. barely he spoke to like the investigative commission in both new york and london but he literally became a like like the scapegoat and the laughingstock and pariah, the sh- pariah. Yeah. and he and he and he, you know, went into obscurity and exile because he was so hated. He was, you know, they were making political cartoons of him. Yeah, he just became the symbol of, you know, of entitlement mm. and hypocrisy and greed. greed. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. What happened in the movie? Oh my gosh, it's so nuts. I feel like I'm really grateful for the movie taking that detail because you get lost in the movie while you're watching it. You're just like, oh, this is just like an interesting movie. But then I went home and watched YouTube videos yeah. and it was highlighting the the real imitation of the details of the wood and the yeah. everything. And I everything. was like, oh my God, that really does make you feel like you just understand it now. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, and that's what I was saying earlier, like around this idea of like, I feel like I know when I'm, wa- I could walk in and know how to get yeah. where I want to go at this yeah, point. That's actually crazy. Which is crazy. <laughs> so crazy like if, if what was funny was this is really dumb but like at the height i think i had like really got smoked quite a bit at this point but i was i was <laughs> i went back and i watched the scene where mr andrews and he's telling rose where to go find jack he's yeah. like take the elevator down to the bottom uh make a left go down the crew passage make a right and left to get up the stairs like he go and i'm like okay i wonder if i could actually you know exactly where he is i wonder if i could actually yeah. follow that and mm. if that's a true thing it's not exactly true the way okay. he says it but wow. pretty close wow pretty close that's yeah. incredible that you checked it out i mean listen when i tell you that this <laughs> at this point i remember look, thinking to myself and i'm like it is objectively weird that you're doing this but at the same time, it's like, I need to know how deep this goes. <laughs> I think it's amazing. I, I find myself deep cutting on things sometimes. And yeah. I'm like, if anyone knew I was doing this, they'd probably be like, this is so weird. This but is so weird. We all, I think, have our things that yeah. scratch an itch for us. And I love yeah. that yours is Titanic. Well, I know that it's like, again, I've always said, like, I don't have a lot of shame in my life. Like, because I think generally, like, I try to be thoughtful about things that I'm doing and I'm thinking like this is coming from a place of curiosity mm. and I'm, I'm I'm not coming at this with this like weird lurid like inhumane kind of you know fascination it's really genuinely like I want to understand on a deeper level like what this experience was yeah. because I've always thought of it on a very surface level as a child you know it was more right. about the story and everything and now I want to know right. like what was the actual what was the true experience of right. this you know 
I watched it and was immediately, when the boat started sinking, imagining myself in that situation. And if I wasn't on one of the first safety ships, mm -hmm. what would I have done? Yeah. And it, it's naive to think that I wouldn't have frozen right away like everyone yeah. else did in the water. But I, I was really trying to like put myself in the situation and think how and what would I do. Right. And it's like there's steps that you think you can take. They're like, okay, that would help. But then you at the end, everyone just freezes. Right. I mean, you can kind of Monday morning quarterback if you want. But like at the end of the day. What does that mean? Oh, it, it's a stupid. <laughs> it just means like call the play the next day kind of thing. Like hindsight is twenty twenty essentially. Yeah. So that means right. it's like. Okay. And, and, and what was interesting is like a lot of people didn't know the true extent of the damage to the ship and mm. they didn't really believe it was sinking figure again they had touted the ship is unsinkable that right. was a very public thing that people thought and so they didn't know and wow. figure okay so it's 11:42. the ship strikes the iceberg it's not until like 1:15 that thomas andrews and the crew are able to go and sound the ship and figure out what exactly is the extent of this damage how many of the boiler rooms are flooded what you know what other damage is happening it takes them about 30 minutes to figure out like What's going on. So the captain doesn't find out that the mm. ship is sinking until 30 minutes into the into the thing. So then from there, they've got to spread the word and they don't want to make any panic. And so another hour goes by of just getting people to right. know to like get your life belts, get up to the boat deck, right. you know, stand by for more. And as they do that, everyone's thinking like, oh, what a silly exercise. This right. is so strange. Why are we stopped? Right. Yeah. And then it's freezing outside. And you look out and you look at these lifeboats and they're on these like newfangled davits that like swing on a hinge, right? These like, they're, they're yeah, very yeah, proud yeah. of these new davits. So the idea was you get on it and they move the boat, but you're uh, hanging, you know, really eight stories up yeah. in the fucking air and you're hold on by some ropes by some guys who were like, I don't right. know. Like, I'm not getting my ass in that boat. Like, unless I know in my no, heart for sure it's what I need that to this do. is going to kill me if I don't right. do this. And so, and then figure all the forces keeping you mm -hmm. from accepting, right. accepting what's going on. Right. So again, an hour and a half after the boat sinks, you still have people who don't really, are not grappling with this. Yeah. And of course the crew aren't trying to tell them this because they don't want to cause a panic. Right. Which thinking back, it's like, you're going to have a panic anyway. Right. Right. At least get people in those fucking boats. I don't care if they kill each other trying to get in the yeah. boats. Like I would rather they kill each other and the boats are full. Right. Then they just die. Organized. Yeah. The whole thing. And a well, lot of most of the boats went completely under capacity. Right. Most of them did. Almost none of the boats were filled. One boat went with just 12 people in it. Mm -hmm. 65, I think, was the official limit. Most of them were going with like 30 yeah. less than. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. It's I devastating. Know. Yeah. The the dramatic way in which the boat snaps in half, like you said, and the way it's like, I can't imagine being one of the survivors on the boats out watching that. I know. It's got to be so hard to actually process it. Like, I cannot imagine well, the thing you were just on is snapping and breaking and blowing up in front of you and people just everywhere. It's so traumatic. Right. Well, one. okay, a couple things. One of the th one of the books I read was about, it wasn't so much about the sinking, but it was it chronicled the life of like a bunch of people who survived and what what they did on in their life, mm. and all of them talked about the screams. Not to get too dark, oh, no, I, that's won't, okay. I won't go all the way in, but like the sounds. Yeah, I can only imagine because they were far away, and you have to understand like. James Cameron in the movie, he lights the shit out of the ship because he's telling a story and you'd be able to yeah. see. But like he adds lights where there were no lights. Okay. So visibility was not super great from, you know, a hundred feet away or whatever, where you were, where the boats were. Yeah. Um, and the engineers on the ship and the electricians did keep the lights on valiantly long. Okay. Right. But not before the break. 
the ship broke when it was the power was out. So mm. there are a lot there are a lot of people who survived who said they saw that ship break in half, and a lot of people who said it never happened. And it mm. wasn't until they discovered the ship in the eighties that they were able to confirm that it was in two pieces. Oh wow! Yeah, and to this day there are still there's still modeling being done to try to understand, which is absurd. Like what, yeah. what a use of time, but because that's the power of the story. Right. There's still modeling being done to try to understand how and when the ship broke off. Mm. Um, there's a lot of studies around like the way James, James Cameron depicted it in the most dramatic possible fashion, which is all the way up crack above right. water, slam down big wave and then pull it back yeah. down and pull it. It probably was something a little, not, not quite so drama as that. Right. And there was probably more of a spin to it. Oh. You know, yeah, the, right. And also there's people who claim that like it probably didn't it might not have broken off above water because of the debris field, how how relatively small the debris field is. If if you break up above, the debris is going to spread wider, but if mm. you break lower, it's going to be, you know. So there's all kinds of still like debates wow. over. Wow. So the stuff under the water is all still pretty close and compact relative to again, you're talking about 2 miles down. So yeah. if you break there's a lot of tidal, right. a lot of current sort of potential to get all that stuff. So Damn. so what exactly happened and where and when and what that thing looked like is the object of sustained fascination to this day. It's one mm. of these things where people can't let it go. Yeah. We know the thing broke up. We don't know when. We don't know how. Yeah. Um, but it did. A lot of people saw it break yeah. and heard it. And that's the thing. It's like they also, one thing that really, that the movie didn't go into that I found so fascinating and terrifying is they kept hearing booms from below the water. Oh, as wow. the ship would go down with explosions, big <gasps> air pockets blowing through, Whoa, you know, yeah. anyway, it's just, of course, though, the, that makes sense. The dynamic, I, I don't think we think of, we understand the size of this thing, you know? Oh, um, okay. So let's talk about the movie yes, specifically, yes. because I understand why there's a Rose and a Jack. It tells a story. It makes you fall in love with characters so that the humanity is told. What do you think about that? What do you think about the Rose and Jack element? Mm. So I actually think, I remember, I remember as a kid, I was like bummed that they were fake, right? You know, or like totally. whatever. And I only really cared about Rose and Jack. Yeah. And now, as an adult, I care way less about Rose and Jack than right. the actual people. Mm -hmm. And what I appreciate about the fictionalization element, though, is that it allowed James Cameron to kind of cobble together real stories and, yeah. and sort of you know, create them into the, into these sort of singular characters that he had full control of, full creative. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, history is not convenient narratively. Of you, course. You want to drive, you want to create something that really like packs a punch. And right. That, and, you know, drives an emotional reaction. And, and there are plenty of interesting people on that ship. I could go into all of them, but like <laughs> all of them, I, we all have our favorite passenger, right? Um, and like all that, but like <laughs> we, who's we? <laughs> you know, everyone know at home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that everybody has a favorite. Passenger. Yeah, it can't be Jack and Rose. That's amazing. Um, but no, but I feel like that was a smart move. It's a move that is justifiable completely. Again, they take great care to never tell to tell a lie. So like when they put Rose in B52, 54, 56, that's because they didn't really have proof that anybody was in that suite. Mm. And so they're not arguing with any, with real history. So right. it, it's almost like the campsite rule. Like they're treading so lightly mm -hmm. in this story and they do so so as not to um to it's, it's almost like you're trying to leave history untouched. Yeah. Back, elements. Sure. Yeah, I Okay, I'm going to talk about my fascination with I would Rose love and to Jack hear. because I again not as deep into this as you are. Didn't see the movie since I was maybe 10. I don't know how old I was, but it's been a really long time. I've never been a big Leo fan. I mean, I am, but like, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. 
watching this last night, seeing babyface Leo Aww. DiCaprio really made me feel something before towards his, him. Before his twink death. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and also for Kate Winslet, I was like, oh, it's so interesting, like seeing these two actors that are so deeply known to me now in different yeah. contexts in this beginning era of their mm-hmm. acting careers and like their connection and the love. Ugh, I don't know. It really <laughs> softened me. I was expecting mm-hmm. to be like eye roll at that part. But yeah. I walked last night out of the theater being like, man, I could watch seven more hours of those two, I like know. dancing, flirting, like. I know. Making sweet love. I like, know. I was so surprised by the way I was swept up by them and their Completely. baby faces. You know what's funny? I mean, yeah, of course. One, one thing that I've discovered in my recent rewatches through my friend's eyes mm. was how much of a fucking nightmare Rose is. <laughs> <laughs> Rose is so problematic when you think about it. Like, I was thinking about that. One of my favorite scenes, which I could honestly... I could sit here and like Coco Montree style monologue it to you. Okay. Like, I mean, I could lip sync. I won't back. do I won't do I want to. But it's one of those <laughs> scenes I know so deeply on a cellular level. It's the scene where the mother, um, where um, Mama, Mama Rose. Mm-hmm. I love how I know the scene so I don't remember her name. So <laughs> yeah, Mama Rose I'm not sure we know her name. The actress, Frances Fisher, who that performance is my favorite of the movie, I think. She eats that fucking performance. If you watch again, watch again. Watch well, hold on, her. which scene? You haven't said it. Oh, sorry. The scene where she's tying her up on the corset and, and where it's revealed that the money's gone. Yes. You know the money's gone. Yes. You remind me every day. Kind yeah. of thing. Get out of it. Ooh. Um, I know. She, and and so you get this sense from her where it's like the mother, yeah, she's a bit of a bitch. She's classist. Mm-hmm. You know, she's you know, she's old money though, is the yeah. thing. And that's really her only crime. Because back then marriages were for Power, money, money power, and, yeah, exactly. exactly, and money, and 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 so when you think about it, like she was just looking out for her daughter, mm. and when you and okay, yeah, Cal was an asshole, sure, he's abusive, yes, I don't want to diminish it, but like, my God, like I think if I were Rose's mother, I would do the same thing, and for Rose to be so petulant, and yeah, she's a child, she's seventeen, but like she mm-hmm. was so petulant, and for her to like run away so many times to be openly really hostily rude for some reason i still don't to this day know why she was going to throw herself off that ship like fuck cal i get it but like uh, throw him off the ship then i don't know yeah so it's one of those things where i'm watching it and like rose makes less sense to me over the mm. years um jack holds up i, I listen kate Wins is my favorite actress like from then to now, she's really? my number one she is such a powerhouse performer she's mm. incredible i think I think, she, you know, uh, a young, um, oh my God, I was going to say Saoirse Ronan. I'm whom, the one from Don't Worry Darling. What's her name? Uh, oh, Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh, I feel like has some of that Kate Winslet magic mm. of that sort of gravitas. No matter what she's in, you're just like, you're just sucked in. Yeah. She's such a powerful performer. And she was nominated for an Academy Award for Titanic and she deserved it. Jack was not. Mm. Or That's Leo, where it began. Leo, Leo was not. But his character makes sense to me. Yeah. Rose's character, I think... I think that there isn't such a clear sense of her. Does that make sense? Like as much as we get to know her, I feel like I don't know her enough, even at the end. What I took from it is in that almost jumping off the boat scene is that she is lost in the society that she's the section of society she's in and she's craving more yeah. life, you know? Yeah. And that's what it is. She's like, if I can't escape this family and this subsect of people that I'm stuck with, I'm gonna just rather die. I, I, <laughs> relatable. <laughs> Relatable cons. Uh, <laughs> not very hot, though. Relatable cons. <laughs> um, I uh, guess. I just think that, like, there were just things about her character that were, like, mystifying. Like, when she's down in in, in um, third class, um, 
and she's like smoking and she's drinking chugging beer yeah and i'm thinking like where exactly would she have been chugging did you beer do before? that and you get the sense that like she's always running away all those things where I'm, like, I'm trying to understand how you had the means to like <laughs> To learn these things and like be this person, you know? Right. It's crazy to think that she's 17. Yeah, but then to still be like weirdly scandalized about like we're not about riding a horse, like mounting a horse. <laughs> right. That's, you know? That's true. When you think about it, I'm like, I think we need to, I think we need to tighten Rose up a little bit in terms of yeah. the, the, the characterization a little bit. Because again, I think she's, listen, she's one of those actors who like, I buy Rose because of Kate Winslet. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. And you know, wait, who was the actor who did, um, who played Portia in the white Lotus? Haley Lou Richardson. Okay. I love that actor. Yeah. I think she is just so great. And because of the actor, a role that was written to be so annoying. Yeah. It's actually likable. It's lovable. Even. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think Kate's the same way where you're like, you watch it and it's like, even though I don't understand this character, you make me believe her. Yeah. And you make me believe that there's reasons for all of this. And I just, totally. I just buy it, you know? I mean, I did. I just bought it. Both yeah. her and Jack, I was just eating it up. Yeah. Again, totally. I've, I think I'm coming to it a lot fresher than you are. So it makes sense that after your 300th watch, mm -hmm. maybe you're starting to, <laughs> to question I don't, I don't even want to think about the number of hours I've sunken into watching this movie. Like, sunken good. into? Uh -oh. Get out. <laughs> that one, the, the. Whoops. <laughs> Okay, so who do you identify more with, Rose or Jack? Mm. Rose. I think it's Rose's movie. Mm. You know, it definitely is Rose's movie. Um, yeah. Even though I'm, like, complaining about that she just makes sense as a character, I still understand this idea of, like, I don't know, wanting more, feeling like it's not enough. I guess I understand that. But I don't know that I identify with, with either of them in particular. I feel like characters that I've noticed recently that have pop, popped off the page at me are, like, Fabrizio. Uh, I was just going to say Fabrizio. And Tommy. Can I tell you something? Tell me. Do you want me to call you Tommy? <laughs> yeah. You know I'm Tommy off the clock. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, Tommy. Call me whatever you want. Off the clock. Call me, call me, what is it? <laughs> call me he, call me she, call me Regis Kathleen, just call me. That's what RuPaul always says. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, Tommy is the Irish third class Kind of good old boy yeah. on the ship. And, and I never really gave him much attention as a child. But lately, I'm like, why is Tommy the hottest one? <laughs> Holy shit. He is cute. He's cute. Wait, what's that rapper? That, that Jack Harlow. Jack Harlow. The curls. How did you know? I don't know. I immediately just pictured who could you be talking about. It's got to be Jack Harlow. <laughs> he, I just found him so charming and yeah. everything. And I haven't had the heart to look up like pictures of him now because I don't want to be disappointed. I want to think of him like that. Let's also talk about the guy that opens the whole movie that with the necklace, the blonde hair that's doing the research for oh. that. Who's that guy? Bill Paxton. Hot. I know. Very we were hot. like, whoa. <laughs> Michaela whispered to me. She was like, uh oh, he was in Twister. Remember <laughs> Twister? Haley, are you talking about the right person? The guy who was like, and that makes you my new best friend. That guy? I don't know Twister. No, from Titanic. Remember when he's like, Rose? He's the one who he has the cigar. He's the one searching. Wait, wait, Haley, who are you no, talking No, 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 no. Hold on. I'm talking about at the very beginning. Yeah, very beginning. We're in the present day now. Yes. The guy in the blue shirt that's on the boat, on the submarine, trying to find the necklace. Yeah. We're talking about the same person? I think so. He's the one who's like... Looking for the diamond. Yeah. The main guy. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Paxton from Twister. You should watch Twister. Okay. It's essentially like a 90s. They really made those movies well in the 90s. It's a 90s Couldn't action movie, more. but it's about tornadoes. It's okay. so good. Amazing. Helen Hunt. 
Oh, gotta, I love Helen Hunt. I was just gotta, talking about Helen Hunt. you got to watch Twister. Okay. Let me tell you what. You're, run, don't turn this podcast. Go watch Twister. <laughs> okay. Terrific, terrific movie. Terrific movie. Um, okay. And I've watched it recently enough, and it does hold up. It's very good. But um, Bill. Bill. Okay, Good well, luck. I'm going to take a screenshot of Bill in one of the outfits. He's wearing a like yellow jacket, a hat. His like necklace is hanging out. I was like, that is exactly how I want to look. <laughs> I was like, I both think Bill is hot and I want to look like I him. I still think that there is a relatively small chance that we're not talking about the same person. <laughs> oh, no. He's the guy that's leading the whole thing. He's the blonde hot one. All the other guys are not hot. You're right. So well, remember the, the funny one, the one who yeah, was like bigger like, guy the with one like who big was hair. like somebody left the water running. He's a, remember him? Oh, you don't remember the line? You know, you're not you're not <laughs> on the level. Sorry, he's the one who was like, she's a very old goddamn liar. Her, remember him? No. Uh, did you watch the movie? <laughs> Tamar, do you I watch feel the like show? We're watching. We're talking about two different movies <laughs> at this point. What if it came out that you watched like 1977 <laughs> version of Titanic? <laughs> No, I saw the right one. Okay. I'm just talking about before I'm we're doing sh- the reenactments. Let's do this. I, I want to reach for my phone and make... Do, do you have it. your phone with you? It's filming us. One second. I'm going to get it. I think that I'm maybe not describing it right. Bill Paxton. Maybe just Google Bill Paxton. I'll say yes or no. Um, no. No, I th- maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That second photo. That's the outfit. Yeah, that's it. Okay, he just looks different. He old. is hot. I haven't really thought of him that way, but look at him. He's How did you not? He's got like hot. blonde hair. He has an ear pierced. It's because he's kind of dir- kind of kind of doofy. Oh well, doofy is my type apparently. I mean, I, no. Listen, I'm looking at it. It's one of those things where it's like you have that person in your life. He's like, I just never looked at you that. I never mm. looked at you like this. But now that I am, I'm like. Well, I guess you have to you. drive your ass back straight to the Grove and watch it again just to see if you think he's hot. I guess you're right. Thank God I have a list. <laughs> I had a question for you. What was something that you learned on this watch that completely took you? Because I find sometimes there are whole things that like completely shift my understanding of what happened. Not so much anymore because I'm pretty in the hole, but like sometimes I would discover like, what about this? You know, the boiler rooms. Interesting. Watching them shovel. I didn't know anything about what you were speaking about, the like natural force Mm -hmm. of this and how um, like analog is not the right word, but essentially that part of it blew my mind to see those huge cranks and the guys down there. Like I didn't ever conceptualize before how that Titanic might've been running, but that wasn't what I thought. Yeah. (laughs) Blew my mind. Yeah. Famously, um, the guys, the firemen, they called them firemen who they were traveling coal for fire. Um, not to put too fine a point on it. (laughs) Makes sense. Um, so (laughs) they were the first ones to really understand what had happened. And, they were the first ones to like, not all of them, because some of them like stuck around for a long time, especially in the like further back boiler rooms. But a lot of them survived because yeah. they were like, fuck this. Right. right? And first they like, run out. Yeah. and they were there to man boats. And that's the other thing is that the men mm. who survived, a lot of the crew survived because they had to like operate the boats for the, right. for the survivors. And firemen were among them because a lot of the officers had to stay behind to like manage the. Right. So the men who were relieved of duty because their duty was underwater got on the boats and so a lot of those guys survived her right yeah yeah the other thing that was grabbing my attention was more on the movie production mm-hmm. side thinking about how it was actually filmed to have all these the scenes where the water is busting down the hallways and all, yeah. all the collapse of the ship just trying to think of what that would look like on a production set and how they filmed yeah. it and how the i would budge. love to see is there a, there's got to be a documentary of how it was made so there is a lot of featurettes like from the dvds and stuff mm. and so you can go on youtube and just look up like a compilation of them but I'd there isn't to. like a there, i've been looking and there isn't like a comprehensive 
that I know of like yeah. amazing like deep dive you know girl I know what I'm doing tonight well let me tell you what <laughs> I got some links for you yeah I was gonna say we need to have a whole bibliography for this episode because Honey. you have name dropped so many things that I want to watch Do and then maybe somebody I else I haven't does. even scratched the surface I know I know we talked about it earlier we could talk you could talk for 12 hours <laughs> and I could listen happily <laughs> there's just so much I, and what's funny is like you learn all these little things and then like this has been such a joy to talk about because it's like I get to connect all of these little pieces of trivia and find meaning in them, you know? Yeah. And like, this is almost helping me because no one asks me questions about the detent- They hear about it, but yeah. they don't ask. And yeah. so getting to like really th- compile all of it and understand like this greater meaning of like what it all meant and why. Yeah. It's such a like cathartic experience, you know? Good. I'm glad. What do you think? Let's just like try and zoom out on a macro scale real quick if we yeah. can. Yeah. Why do you think you are so horny for the Titanic? <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it a little bit, but like, what yeah. do you think is the thing? Like, if you could really drill into one reason why you think you're so into it. Um, and specifically uh, horny for it. Yeah. <laughs> H word, hard H word. Yeah. Um, well, it's like I was saying earlier, it was sort of the first big thing for me right the first big like you know kids are like you get a fixation Mm -hmm. you know maybe it's like you love you have a dinosaur phase or something or you you know you love sharks or something for me that i had other phases but like this was the one and so today revisiting it it's like returning a little bit to like Mm. like the innocence of childhood it is a nostalgia but that's almost a little bit too a little bit too trite for what it means like I love I like I have memories of like watching this movie the double VHS tape yeah. at my grandparents' house yeah. on Saturdays just like again and again and, the oh. way, and I remember the way I felt and I remember the way like I would I would it was so moved every time I watched it and I would snap out of that reality and I have these vivid memories of snapping into my real reality. Mm. You maybe had that experience like when you left the theater you were like oh because totally. you were so transported yeah and so there's something about that sort of extreme like feeling that when I watch it now and I think about it now, I'm visiting and honoring like my child self a little Mm. bit and the memories of the childhood, you know? Sweet. And so Titanic isn't just a story and it's not just like a piece of history. It's like a moment of my life, like the Mm -hmm. movie and the way it made me feel. It activated me creatively and like intellectually for the first time. And so revisiting Mm. it is like remembering a part of myself that like, was a little bit truer and purer and more earnestly interested, you know? I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> is that a little too, is that a little too like no, it's loser? Beautiful. No, it's <laughs> no. The other thing that I learned and I could go on and on and on and on and on is like the gaze on the Titanic. Oh yeah. Fucking fascinating. Say a little bit about that. Okay. So Gay identity did not really exist in the way that we know it now back yeah. then. People were gay and they found each other, but it was sort of in the subtext being gay. And, you know, like it, you know, the evidence of it is like in, you know, in letters mm. written back and forth. Mm. And some of them were coded like Gentleman Jack. Remember we talked about Gentleman Jack? Like yeah. some of them were coded and some of them were like a lot more explicit. Right. And so yeah. one of the famous, like I want to dick you down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Like this bussy is waiting for you when you get back to New York. <laughs> no, one of my favorite gays on the Titanic uh, was Colonel Archibald Butt. Don't laugh. No, you can't tell me. To I don't not like laugh. that you're laughing. I don't think that's very funny. Archibald <laughs> Butt. I know. No. No. Here's little Miss Butt. Let me talk about little Miss Butt. Okay. Miss <laughs> Butt was a confirmed bachelor. Loved his mother. Okay, mama's boy. Dressed flamboyantly. Had a real eye for women's fashion. Of course. 
was uh, owned a beautiful ho- a town home in D.C., which mm. he rented out to other bachelors. Sure, wink. which he staffed with Filipino houseboys. Okay, wink. Um, he was a <laughs> he was a decorated you know military man, and he was very friendly and close with the Roosevelt family, particularly oh. the wife, and they loved him. And he was a close advisor to them. He was in the White House all the time. Oh. He like worked in the White House. Anyway, okay, he was on the ship, and he was a very one of the most famous and most beloved actual like personas on the ship at the time he was because again it, it was like if somebody if it was like you know if one of the president's like aides was on the sure. like, well known enough right. like a name right so he was one he was traveling with his um companion frank millet okay or millet millet um who was an artist and uh and a like uh architectural designer he okay it's giving bill and frank excuse me the last of us hello <laughs> Sorry. Bitch. <laughs> no, but Frank is fascinating because he was one of the designers of the White City. That it was the, uh, the nineteen or the eighteen ninety three World Columbia Exposition. Oh, 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 back to that. Okay. He was the reason why it was white. Whoa. He was why it got to be white. That's him. So he was one of the designers, yeah. and he was he was he was gay, and um, he wrote very very literal letters to his lover back home. He was like, literally, my bussy, help. <laughs> Be ready. Be ready. Like, I'm open. He was like, he was like, he was like, lights off, ass up. <laughs> Too far. No. We love Miss Frank. Enough. We love Miss Frank. <laughs> mm. So I think there was a lot of gay sex going on on that damn oh Titanic. God. I uh, know. That's that's what we need the next movie about. You Let's should do it. You should do I'll, that. I'll be the technical advisor. I'm like, no, the bussy wasn't right. <laughs> No. Do we have a do we have a bussy double for this one? Oh, <laughs> I can knowing the attention to detail you have when you're directing something, I can only imagine how good you that have would seen be. me direct. I have, and it was great. And you've seen me you've seen me direct when I'm not even really supposed to be. I've seen it, and you pop off. I'm tell you what. It's Details. fun. It's fun to watch you put on your director's cap. Well, you know what it is? Is I really love, and James Cameron is like this too. Me comparing myself. Yeah, to James you're like, some mean James no, Cameron. No, but one of the things that I like really <laughs> admire about him, and again, I'm setting, I'm, I'm doing a real caveat because he is an asshole, like no question. But one of the things I really love about him is his ability to like really focus on both the artistic and creative and the technical. Mm. Like he is very, very technically oriented but also like he's an artist like yeah you know he was the one who drew the rose sketch did you oh, know that no i didn't know that so literally in the movie when the sketch is being drawn it's his hands i did hear about that yeah that he's a body double for that moment yeah Very he's cool. he's an artist and i mean he wrote the script like he knows how to write a story he knows how to light shit i mean that's the thing and i i've always really liked that sort of cross-reference of like creative and technical sure so, yeah that that makes sense and to i me. appreciate that yeah well, you and James Cameron are for sure in the same mm. same boat to me. I, I can't know. wait to see if your not the same tax bracket. Your, <laughs> your movie debut. <laughs> okay, so now it's time that we probably wrap up the Titanic. Do if you have anything must. else you want to say? Um, I know there's a lot else you want to say. I will. I will. Fa- I will say this. People sometimes ask me like, "What's your favorite movie?" Mm-hmm. And I, there's a lot of amazing movies. Come on, like yeah, it's like picking it's your favorite fruit. It's like, what are we gonna favorite do? song? Favorite song? Can't. I still like. I say the Titanic and the reason not because it's the best movie. It is very much not. I say it for a few reasons. Number one, it goes back to that sort of childhood love. It goes back to the impact it had on me, what it means in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. It goes back to populism. I think a lot about populism because the things that I love, I love a lot of popular things. And I feel like we in our culture, especially in social media, we tend to sort of 
like shy away from being earnestly in love with popular things. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm a one person, you know, one person protest against that. Mm -hmm. I want people to know and believe that like, it's okay to love big things that everyone loves. It's okay to be excited about nerdy, stupid shit that doesn't matter. It's it's okay to like, you know, not need to look like anything to just have your love show, you know? Preach that. That's yeah. what this hot con project is for me. I hope so. Leaning yeah. into the things. I'm like, have always been pop culture obsessed. And I think in my friend groups back home and like just in the last 10 years or so, I've tried to like hide that mm-hmm. or like quiet that part of me yeah. because my friends don't think it's cool or my peers aren't talking about it. But I'm like, that's what I'm obsessed with. Yeah. And then I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm a girl who loves pop culture. I love popular things and I love it hard. You're a girl who loves pop culture and popular things. You love it hard. And I got to be honest, there is a, co- it's a commodity. Yeah. And that's what this podcast is. It's you taking your love and making it into something of, of value, if not to just yourself, to others. Like people listening, they can connect with the things that you love. And like, yeah. that's the best possible outcome of these kinds of things. It's like this conversation, yeah. there's like six <laughs> people who are going to like follow this. <laughs> no, no, I mean like this particular no, conversation. I yeah. And I hope that 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 it is edifying to know that like a lot of people love this. Yeah. Even after all these years and like, it's okay to love something your whole life. Totally. And to geek out about it and like, just own it. Yeah. Thanks for owning it with me. Of course. To me. What a, what a joy. I feel like in some ways my life is like lit up to this moment. Oh, (laughs) all the way to hot con. All the way to hot con. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Another moment you've almost made me cry. I know because I mean, let's be honest. The the idea of someone looking at me like, Hey, would you like to talk about Titanic for an hour? Did you ever think? Without people going, like, looking away from you and, like, looking around you. This and, is like, a solicited change. offer. I know. <laughs> I can't tell you how rare it is. <laughs> what a joy. Thank you for having me so much. Oh, it's been so good. Okay, so now to the big moment of this okay. entire podcast. Yeah. What are you hot for in the culture today? Mm, what am I hot for in the culture today? What are you juicy for, rabid for, absolutely, undeniably flaming hot for? Wait, give me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> no um, pressure. <laughs> okay. So uh, this, I'm actually going to throw a curveball at you and I hate this, but um, I'm really feeling the heat around Rihanna again. Ooh. And, you know, tomorrow, you know, rather I won't say, uh, we are okay. we're recording this the day before the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And so I have a friend on the ground, a little birdie, told me <gasps> that the oh, set list geez. is amazing. And so when this podcast comes out, people will know uh, just how amazing the set list was and how amazing she was. Wow. And I just feel so ready for someone with such self-possession, sexiness, mm. just charisma, and just the catalog, and just everything. I love Rihanna with my whole spirit. And I'm so happy for her and I can't uh, wait to have her back. And I want new music. Yes, I do. And yeah, I'm going to complain about it if I don't get it. That's it. <laughs> so it's Riri all day. That's my answer. Oh, my God. <laughs> Birdie on the ground telling you about the set list. Literally, Incredible. like, a friend of mine works like, at one of the adjacent wow. companies and watched the rehearsals <gasps> yesterday. Oh, mm-hmm. that gives me shivers. shivers. I'm so excited. Wouldn't tell me the set list. Just said, I will not be disappointed. Oh, love that. I'm, What's your yeah. favorite Rihanna song? Wow. Well, we found love in a hopeless place. Oh, yeah. I mean, it has to be. That was me. the song I feel that like confirmed to me that like Rihanna was like the new Madonna. It was like a real queen of pop moment. Queen of pop, but like queen of ascended from like fun bops to like, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to be here in the yeah. culture and I'm going to be I'm taking up space in in this yeah. forever. 
Yeah. And what an ascendant moment, transcendent. Can I also tell you that there's one of her songs on her original album, which I don't remember the name of, but the mm-hmm. song is Love Me, mm-hmm. which I fucking love. <laughs> it's a, it's probably one of my most played Rihanna yeah. songs. Early Girl, Rihanna. Love me, love me. Oh, yeah. I know that. <laughs> Early Rihanna and I don't gel as well. <laughs> Like, it's a different uh, vibe. It's a different vibe. It was. It reminds me of like early Beyonce. No, no I shouldn't say that. I, it reminds me of mid mid era Beyonce, where Beyonce was like creatively like maybe dipping sure. a little bit. Um, where I'm just like, okay, you are a talent, but you're doing club song. Like you're doing songs that are so like mid. Yeah, I can't describe it. And it, and I remember like the big song that really jumped out at me as a gay person was uh, "Please Don't Stop the Music." Oh well, duh! Oh my god, of that course. That song was. I mean, I hated "Umbrella." Whatever. I like it now, but I hated it at the time. Yeah, because it was annoying. But like, "Please Don't Stop the Music" was like, oh, like choked me. I was like, this song is so fucking good. I rem- I have a very, I have one of those moments with that song that um, was when I was first coming into my sexuality. Ooh. Yeah, I know. As a as a queer person, was still very much unsure at this moment in my life. Yeah. But I remember being very drunk, <laughs> very underage. Not uh-huh. very underage. That sounds crazy. I was like twenty. Okay. Um, and dancing with a girl to that song, wow. and it wasn't totally sexual, but it was like Euphoric. close. And yeah, and I remember literally feeling like. <sighs> Oh my God. And that song, every time I hear it, I'm transported back to that. You know why? Because it's so, it's sexy, but it's like in in an unhinged kind of way. You're just like (laughs) spinning, 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 spinning. And it's like a little dark. We found love. We found love is like bright always. And yeah. spinny, spinny, lo- like, you know, euphoric, but there's mm-hmm. something about the sort of unhinged nature. Well, of the please don't stop the music I'm beat sorry, is like a little, yeah. ding, 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 ding. ding. <laughs> like I it kind of hits harder. It's, it's, it's good. That part. And it's nasty. I want to take, that's where my mind like literally yeah. goes like, ah. I know. <laughs> and it's dark. I like know. I remember being in a dark room in a weird like college party, like weird vibes, yeah. but that song coming on in my body being tingly. <laughs> to this day. <laughs> To this day, that comes on. It's like, it's like, yeah, bussy, bussy. <laughs> <laughs> watch your, watch this cunt get flagged for the word bussy. Bussy, bussy. It's dropped been like, it's like 15 times. I, know, I love sorry. it. I'm Once I did it, I was like, let's keep doing it. Let's just keep, <laughs> keep it going. Yeah. Um, it's like we have, there's podcast recording systems that have like a, you can record a sound and like hit it every time. Yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. we could just be like, bussy, 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 bussy. <laughs> bussy. <laughs> Record a clean one and put it on the soundboard. That'd be incredible. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are you not for? Mm, okay. So this one's easier, which tells you a lot about me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm a big RuPaul's Drag Race fan, and I and I won't, I won't harp on this because I know you don't watch, but or not consistently. I, um, thank you. So the, for the asterisks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there is um, a narrative of season 15 is um, they had these two TikTok twins on Sugar and Spice. Okay. Yeah. I saw. And. Um, What's funny about this is, is they're really not seasoned. All they do is looks on TikTok. They're like not, mm. they're not good. You okay. know, the looks are fine. The makeup is gorgeous and they have decent attitudes, whatever. But like their inexperience is just so blatant and so uh, overwhelming. What was, again, going back to the beginning of our conversation, that it's not about the thing. Mm-hmm. It's about how we talk about the thing. Sugar and spice are blatantly not to the par of the other queens mm. there they do the same two tricks they do the same shit they have no range and all of the winners of drag race when asked about them mm-hmm. try to tell me that there's something interesting and fascinating and riveting about them mm. and i gotta be honest i feel not to use the g word but i feel fucking gaslit oh. okay i feel like 
again to quote Bianca Del Rio, I feel like they're pissing on my leg and telling me it's raining. Mm. I feel lied to Willow Pill. Pissing in the rain. Pissing on my leg and telling me it's raining. <laughs> That's what Bianca said. I listened to some, I asked Willow Pill myself. We were working with her on yeah. a thing and I and I was like, What do you think of the twins? She's like, I love them. They're so great. And I'm like, cut the shit. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's we've talked about this like liking ugly things. I can't. I can't, Haley. I can't do it. I know, but I know you're saying that a little bit pointed at me. And I'm not I trying like. to. I'm trying to draw. I'm trying to. Show, I'm letting you in on me. No, I know. I, and I feel like it's one of those things where I'm like, I cannot get on board with pretending that things I don't like are good. Like you used the example the other night of Crocs. Crocs. Yes, <laughs> I know that Crocs are very popular. I know people love them. They put their little things on them now. Whatever. Crocs were ugly when I was growing up. They're ugly to me now. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like they're not. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Sugar and Spice are any more than a couple of young, pretty boys who got really good at makeup because they have YouTube and, yeah. uh, and are massively inexperienced and really don't belong on a stage full of like seasoned performers. And it's not even anything against them. Yeah, I'm just tired of being told and, and, and forced to believe that there's more to look at than there is. Sure. And again, it's the narrative. It's not yeah. the queens. Does yeah. that make sense? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still recovering from your slander of Crocs for the second time in two <sighs> days, but it's okay. You just know that I'm a Crocs girly. I'm but ima I'm, I'm imagining you at Comic-Con as an Avi wearing Crocs. <sighs> I love it. I look back at photos of um, what I was wearing that day, and I don't know what I was doing. I don't know how <laughs> I... I don't know what I thought I was showing up to. I, <laughs> I, I regret. Let's just let's just say that I go to drag con, drag con for my first time, and I look like I am. I love I loved drag con. I was in like beach loungewear, except for not even beach, but like cozy, which is partially. Oh, my I wasn't. I wasn't time. coming for your look on that day. I was. I'm imagining this fantasy of you going to Comic Con. Oh. Be. I wasn't coming for your look at Dragon. I don't even remember it. I don't remember. Oh, well, that's good. That I'm coming that, for my look. That day got blurry because remember we had those canned cocktails? Yeah, that <gasps> were strong as hell. Which do you know? Okay, so I was in the reality show. like. Yeah, which another whole podcast another episode way. needs to be but, for that. But <laughs> we, the premiere of that was for World of Wonder also. And they yeah. had those cocktails. Do you know that I like blacked out? I blacked out. <laughs> I know I'm whispering on a podcast. I, <laughs> I fully had two House of Love cocktails and I like blacked out at my own party. Those cocktails are the exact representation of what when you take a straight person to a gay bar and they have a, their first Wells drink uh -huh. and they're like, it's yeah. so strong. Yeah, yeah. That canned cocktail is like that, but, but it was worse. so inauspicious. It was so like it had like a little heart on it. Yeah, and you're like, cute you're like, okay, pink. is this even is this even alcoholic? And it doesn't really taste that alcoholic. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you're fucking blitzed at DragCon. <laughs> You know, you've got like six-year-olds walking the runway to sissy that walk. You've got Rue on a 12-foot or, no, you know, 20-foot high DJ booth. I'm convinced it's an animatronic, like from Hall of Presidents, RuPaul up there going like. Oh, my God. And I'm like dizzy drunk at that point. At like noon. Yeah, at like noon. And then like, you know, queens are everywhere. There's like, I'm like, what is happening? God, and meanwhile, I I'm just standing it. there in my Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, that was really fun. That was a, yeah. a really big slap across the face of like drag culture for me let's go again we have we have two more months or three more months or whatever until the next one we're gonna we're gonna do it <sighs> no wait i have to ask you yeah what is hot for you what is what cont is hotting what hotness <laughs> is conting okay i kind of want to follow your lead i okay. wasn't sure what i was going to say but um i'm actually genuinely excited to watch the super bowl tomorrow like mm. i'm having this like weird moment that feels very like american straight white hetero that i'm like yeah. so excited to watch like a sport game and host 
we're having people over uh, at our house. Yeah, we haven't had anyone in our apartment since we've moved here. Like literally, like wow. we've had like one friend come over, period. So we're having a few people over and I'm excited to like do apps and like clean the house yeah. and like host and watch Rihanna and like that's what I'm stoked for. Haley, <laughs> I know exactly the vibe. I, like you, yeah. love Super Bowl drag. Yes. Like I love as a gay person yes. the like for one day leaning into <laughs> MAGA tees, <laughs> leaning into full NFL mode. Yes. And just you know, I love making like little mini like fucking bullshit apps. Totally. Like I want to eat the buffalo chicken yeah, dip. All of that. Like I yeah. love just kind of being that, drinking Bud Light all day. Yes. There's something about Ugh. that as I like a white <laughs> I was never white trash, but we weren't too far. <laughs> we weren't too far. You got Thank you. Okay, so everyone, what's up? Welcome back. <laughs> we had a mic drop issue and not a good one, so we're back. I'm um, gonna wrap this up from our phones. Yeah. Um, okay, I was talking about football. Super excited for hosting Super Bowl. Yeah. Drag, dragging yeah. as a football fan. Yeah. And what I'm not for is honestly that Leonardo DiCaprio I've just decided to like like him as of last night seeing him as a young star on mm -hmm. Titanic and now knowing that he's controversial I mean I've known this for yeah. his like young woman he's dating but this last week there's been the trending thing on t uh, Twitter of comparing the age gap between him and his new girlfriend to like iconic um, fathers and daughters and The Last of Us yeah um Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. It's the same age gap <laughs> as Leo and his new girlfriend. And I'm not for that. I want to be a Leo fan in this moment of Titanic bliss that I'm in. And it's hard to know that he's an adult that's now like dating younger women yeah. and being creepy. And I don't love that. It is weird. It is, it is like hard to defend like the instinct to say like, Oh no, I want, I want them right. I want them just legal just able to <laughs> yeah. just technically able to like consent there is something super right. weird about that at the same time like we again it goes back to that sort of idea of like if you want to be like moral about everything it's like kind of exhausting it's like i don't love it but i also like no one asked me you know i what actually I mean? I w i'm with you i think i just um let me rephrase it to be a little bit less ex about the actual thing and more about the fact that like right now the society as a whole again mm -hmm. is like anti-Leo and I'm having this moment right now as of yesterday that I'm like very pro-Leo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe for the first time in my life and I'm like, yeah. oh, what a conflicting moment for me. Yeah. I'm not into the conflict. Yeah. That's all. He, totally. I think when we think about people that we, we want to be upset with, I think about people who like are actively hurting others mm -hmm. and somebody tweeted something yesterday that I or not yesterday but this week that I was like has anyone ever has it occurred to anyone that maybe people he starts dating them and then they get sick of his bullshit and then they leave right. him and I was thinking like we really don't really know what's yeah. going on here we know it looks gross yeah. and we know we don't like generally condone relationships like this and we know that men who have these kind of like appetites for women it it belies a un unflattering sure. pers personality. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, like they are consenting. He's yeah. he's not condoning it himself. He's just he's just a super famous, super rich, presumably movie star, who can have any woman in the world he wants, and he so he does. Yeah. And in some ways, it's like, how much do we care? How do much we do we care? care? And honestly, like if we were in similar positions of power, 
how do we guarantee that we wouldn't yeah. make similar choices in terms of like having the thing, having everything that you can't, having everything you want if you can. Right. Do you know what I mean? So I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not defending it. I'm no, saying like it, in the universe of things that I'm going to get outraged about, it's probably not up there for me, but it is gross. And I completely agree that it's gross, but yeah. like at the same time, like, mm. eh. I just want to go back. I wish I could go back to 1997 when the Titanic came out and have my moment of like being a super fan of both young Leo and Kate. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'm I had that. About. Did you I have think that? that's the not. No. Oh my God. Wait, Haley. I didn't have that. I know we're supposed to be wrapping it up and I will, but like, I remember as a child, like after Titanic going to blackbuster video mm. and I'm not even like dropping that because that's like the cool thing to talk about now, but it's <laughs> truly like a means to an end. Right. Yeah. Um, and renting every movie I could with yeah. both of them in it. And one of mm. them was like the basketball diaries mm. and being obsessed and then going and writing all of Kate's stuff. And Kate had some weird shit in the nineties. I'm sure. Like there was, she had this movie called Jude, which is real bummer. And I would rent it. <laughs> <laughs> I would rent it at my grandma's house. And I would watch it, and there was one scene where, like, she's giving birth, and it shows it, wow. which was a shocking thing for my wow. little 11-year-old it shows brain. shows her vagina? It shows, I think, a prosthetic of, of her, like, giving birth. Wow. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And so, like, definitely had my phase. Yeah. I will say, like, they were both, like, kind of art house type. Mm-hmm. type actors. Like, they were doing projects that were, like, very... They had a lot of artistic merit. In fact, famously... Afterward, like Kate in particular was offered a ton of like big blockbustery roles. Yeah. She never took any. She turned them down, yeah. She never took any. Leo also similarly never did like the Marvel thing. He never right. went that direction. He his first movie after Titanic was called The Beach. Huh. Right? Which was this weirdo movie shot yeah. on the beach. I think I in Thailand or something, right? So it's like they never did the they never went the way you would expect. Kinda like kinda like Daniel Radcliffe after Harry Potter. Like yeah. he's like, I'm good. Like yeah. I was in the biggest movie of all time. Like I, I can do whatever the hell I want to do. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I respect it. It's but but it did, I think, mean that the experience of like being a young Titanic head and trying to find and like be a super fan of them. You couldn't really go very deep because yeah. it got weird really quick. And right. all those movies were really good. But, like, for me as a child, I don't know. Probably not appropriate. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm jealous. Yeah. This Boy's Life. Oh, my God. Him and Robert De Niro. Oh, my goodness. Ugh. I don't know that one either. Check that one out. You love him in that. He's a real child in that. But he was a prodigy as an actor. Yeah. That's the thing. People, his talent was just blazing hot. Yeah. Before Titanic. So good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've, I've seen some, but I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Love him. Much, much love to young Leo. We love him. Still love him. Listen, I don't, lo- I don't like everything my family does either, but I still love them. I don't know. I respect that. You know? I respect that. Yeah. And um, you weren't on the last podcast where we were discussing how I look like young Leo, or at least how I think I do. <laughs> young Haley looks I like young Leo. It. I totally see it. There's something there. So I have a, a softness for him in that regard. Yeah. Always will. Yeah. Okay, well, Thomas, thank you so much. Oh, my God, Haley. This has been so much fun, this honestly. Has been so what fun. an honor. What a joy to be in the Kant fam. <laughs> and if you ever need any other deep dives, no pun intended, on Titanic, which I'm we'll sure will come up a lot. No, I'm yeah. kidding. Um, if you need anything else, let me know. I'm here. If you ever have any just offhand questions. I will. And I'm sometimes. sure I'm sure some of um, the hot Kant fam, as I'm recently calling them hotties. <laughs> I also was thinking about Contessas. Oh. Which, come on, Contessas? Contessas is great. It's pretty good. Yeah, barefoot and otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, them out there who listen will maybe have some questions. Well, if you have any burning uh, Titanic cues, you can DM me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm at Thomas Pardee on Instagram and at Pardee on Twitter. Come find me. 
I'll probably be tweeting something stupid. Yeah, but always fun and always a little bit controversial. Yeah, it's a little spicy. It's good. Give them a follow. You must. You must. You <laughs> must. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, oh God, thanks Thomas. Bye. Bye. <laughs>